welcome to Short Course, episode 32, for September 7th, 2018. I'm your host, Ben Barry. This week on the podcast, I want to talk about the recent match I shot at the Sir Walter Gun Club, my home club, where I practice, shoot their monthly match every month, and how it went, some things that happened, and, and what I learned from it. The headline for this match is that we actually, this was the first time I've ever shot a match that was not completed, that, that actually got rained out in the middle of the match. Usually when we get rain, usually I feel like we just have rain all day and we'll start with bags on the targets and we'll shoot through the bags and maybe at some point we'll be able to take the bags off the targets, but sometimes not. But in this particular scenario, we were, we'd shot five of the eight stages when, and it'd been beautiful, bright, sunny, extremely humid, very unpleasantly humid, but bright, sunny, no cloud, some clouds in the sky, but not cloudy and overcast when this just monster thunderstorm just rolled into us and it, it was thunder, I mean, all over close, thunder, louder, you know, higher pitched than, than you're used to hearing. So it was definitely striking nearby and the, the rain was just coming down in buckets. And so we just, we had to call the match and, and tear it down. But what was interesting about it was the actual finishing the match actually really, to me, didn't matter all that much because I was still able to look at each stage, take my video, take my performance and look at it and, and evaluate it. And there was some data available because we didn't have a production super squad or anything. But by the time the match got called, the four or five top guys in production, which there was actually a decent amount of heat. There was me and I think three or four masters. So it was, it was a pretty good, pretty good horse race. Most of the the five of us had shot at least stages one through four. So there was some interesting hit factor data on that. I started on stage eight, which was a pretty interesting 23 round stage with seven paper. They got three shots each and then two pieces of steel mixed in. And this was what I found looking at the stage afterwards is that this was a stage where planning there, there wasn't a lot that you could really do with planning. It mostly came down to execution. So the, the shooting area in this particular stage was roughly shaped like an, an eye or, you know, eye beam. And nominally there was a shooting position at each of the four corners. And then there was a low port smack dab in the middle that, that you had to shoot through off to the right. And those targets weren't really available from anywhere else. And so in theory, there were five shooting positions. Practically speaking, the front left one, you could get the targets from the back left. And so there was no reason to go to the front left. It, it wasn't enough of an advantage to add a position. And you basically started in the in between the middle shooting position, the back left shooting position, and the back right shooting position. And just the way it worked out, you needed to go to all three of those and then go forward to the front right shooting position to end. And there was actually a lot of discussion on my squad about, do you draw to the middle shooting position, which was the low port, where you had to go to this low port, which was fairly low. I ended up having to get one knee down. So it wasn't particularly fast to get into or out of. Do you draw to that? Do you draw backing up to the right? Do you draw backing up to the left? If you draw backing up to the left, you can kind of take the back right shooting position. You don't have to come to a full stop there. You could roll through it a little bit. And I don't think it really mattered. 
I think you, you had to go to all three positions. You couldn't really shoot your way into or out of any of the positions meaningfully. The targets were tight enough or far enough away, or in the case of the low port, you just you couldn't see them until you were all the way down. And what I thought was interesting is myself and the two other masters that the three of us that all had scores on that stage, we were all within a half second of each other. There was one guy at 16.7. I think I was at 17 flat. And then there was a third guy at 17.3. And I'm sure we all probably picked different plans. I didn't see stage videos from them, but just looking at the times, I kind of doubt that we all picked exactly the same plan. And in fact, actually, I know the one guy who had the fastest time, who had the 16.7, he went, he took the longest move first and then did kind of roll through the second position. So he that, that may have been where he saved three-tenths on me, but I also had a makeup shot at the middle position in, in the low port that was easily two-tenths. And so if I hadn't had that, would I have been neck and neck? It's just interesting to see this stage where because it was laid out in a way that, that you really couldn't shoot much on the move, you couldn't really come in aggressively or leave aggressively you kind of had to run to all the spots and shoot all the things that it really just came down to execution and in the end it was number of makeup shots so obviously if the stage win came down between the top three was half a second taking two or three tenths on the makeup shot that i had to take that moved me further out of contention and then points i think i i ended up taking Alpha Charlie Delta on there was there was one long target that had a no shoot covering the the left side Charlie Delta and I ended up shooting Alpha Charlie Delta edging out to the other side because I was I was shooting scared and most of the other stuff was open targets not that far away and so points really won on that one but just an example of a time when all the all the time that we spent planning i think if i saw that stage again i'd just think yeah it it doesn't really matter the plan just pick one and just execute it make sure you're going one for one there was a 20 yard piece of steel it was a pepper popper that i will admit i was reasonably satisfied that i put a lot of emphasis on hitting that first time and and did indeed do that so that was good certainly progress for me but otherwise that that stage planning did not i don't think really factored in that much although it was one of those stages. It was interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen one of these in the U.S. where it, you had a low port that you could not end on. I mean, you could, but it would be way impractical. And so you pretty much, if you wanted to be competitive, you had to be able to get into and out of the low port, which I'm not great at, but I don't have particular problems with either. Stage one uh, didn't have a lot of data on that one, but we did. I, I did get to shoot it, and I kind of knew what went wrong on that one. It was basically, it it was a 20 round stage and it broke down. You started on, I started on the left side of the bay, shoot five, reload to a spot in the middle, hunt and peck back and forth to shoot 10 rounds and then move to the end. And you could see five more rounds from basically one spot. And again, I don't think planning really mattered that much on this stage. It was, this one was all about execution because you basically had to go to all three spots you had to shoot more or less the same targets from from all of them, and there wasn't a lot. The targets were difficult enough or, or hidden enough that you couldn't really shoot your way into or out of any positions. And so what got me was just overrunning my landmark. So for the middle position, I was doing the reload. 
I just shot the five moving to the middle. I had a landmark on the, on the fault lines and I just overran it. And from there on out, I was having to backtrack a little bit. It was this, this hunt and peck where you could see two targets move half a step. You could see another target move another half step and you could see the last two targets. So it was, it was five paper from this position, but it really was kind of three ish small positions where you had to shuffle a little bit between them and you had to go back and forth left and right. And just by, by overrunning that one position, it just, it had such a cascading effect. Honestly, I, I didn't realize it until I was watching my video and just seeing how much hesitation and back and forth there was. And it, if I just hit that one spot, if I just looked at the the spot on the fault line, nailed it, and then just followed my plan instead of having to improvise, I I would have had a maybe a second better time, which the overall stage time was 14 seconds, something like that. So that that's a pretty significant difference. Stage two was, so the beginning was kind of interesting in that you started where about a step away from a port where you could shoot 10 shots and you were starting roughly in the, the middle of the stage and there were shots to your right and shots to your left. So it was one of these, do you draw to the targets and shoot them or do you draw while you're moving all the way to the left or all the way to the right and then you can shoot the stage without backtracking any. And for me, the way I looked at it is from the start position, I could see one target that was it was hardcover, but it was only on the, the Charlie and the Delta, and so and it was diagonal. And so I wasn't too scared about drawing to that guy. I could see him directly from the start position, and then from that step to the left from the start position, I could see the other eight rounds to shoot. And I thought, man, like if I'm starting facing this guy, running away from him just does not make any sense to me. And... I don't want to oversell this because I don't think it necessarily made all that much of a difference. But when I watched the video, I ended up drawing, I actually did end up having a, a sub second draw to that target in a match, which might be the first time that's ever happened that there was just a target that was close enough and in your face enough that I just, just pull a gun out. Don't even confirm the sight picture. Just when your arms get to full extension, put two apples on him and move on. I actually checked this on the audio file and it, it, Mike's when I measure it out, it comes out to 0.92, but pulled out the audio just to play for you guys. So you can hear the, the RO give me the, the standby and then the beep. And the first shot is, is after drawing to this target and it's under a second, which I could, you know, that's kind of cool. So here we go. Ready. Stand by. So you can kind of hear there at the end reloading and moving on to the next position. But that just gives you an idea of what I'm talking about. Ultimately, I ended up trashing that stage just because at the very end, there was a, a target. There were two targets actually that were kind of hidden 45 degrees behind this, this blue barrel. And I tried to pick one spot where I could see both of them, but they were both angled pretty dramatically away. And the one of them had hardcover as well. And I just ended up dropping the two shots about an inch into the hardcover. And really, that, that kind of puts it all in perspective. That's why I don't want to harp too hard on this whole sub-second draw thing, because dropping two mics just blew all of that away. All the little efficiencies, all the stage planning, every every little bit of detail that I'd worked into my stage plan. When I just came into that position, honestly, I don't really know what 
what caused those shots to go right. I I saw good sight pictures. I may have been target focused, but it was, the target was maybe at 10 yards, a little angled away, but 10 yards. So that, that should have been a doable shot. And the, the only victory from that is I was mad. Like I was unbelievably frustrated. I was getting the car, drive home. What, why do I even bother doing this mad after just, just to have shot at this target, called two good shots and then have both of them just drop right into the hard cover. And the good news is I I sort of let that go and shot the next two stages that we were able to get through before the rain. And both of those two stages, all the production M's and GM's got to shoot. And I, I managed to squeak out a stage win on both of those two. So instead of just following the, the spiral downwards, I sort of <laughs> like let it wash over me, felt the anger and then just kind of put it away and said, you know, there's nothing you can do to fix that. Now it's, it's over, it's done, go on to the next stage. And to me, actually physically walking between the bays makes a big difference. I feel like I'm kind of closing the door on one and moving to a, a you know, turning a new page, something like that. And on the new bay, just, take it on its own merits, shoot it with no expectations. And, and I was able to, to shoot fairly well on those. And so that's a, that's very encouraging. It's something that I will certainly remember in terms of recovering. If I'm ever in a situation where I I have a bad stage and just think back to this match, even though, even though the match didn't get to finish, just the fact that I was able to turn around that one really bad stage into, into two pretty good ones. As far as, interesting stuff honestly the these two stages stage three and stage four were stage three in particular was pretty straightforward you started at the back left of the shooting area and it was kind of a zigzag forward there was really only one engagement one order you could take the positions in and in each position there weren't a lot of engagement orders the first position might have been the most interesting because you had two targets of like 80 degrees to your left that were partials with, with a no shoot covering them. And then you had four poppers at maybe 10 yards, about 45 degrees to your left. So, so drawing to the poppers was a little more natural because drawing to the paper was, was more off center line, but because the poppers were sort of 45 degrees downrange, it was not too big of a stretch to shoot the paper and then shoot the poppers either on the move or as you started to move. I, I took a fairly conservative plan and I drew to the paper and then shot three of the four poppers flat footed and then started to shift my weight on the fourth one. And I think that was a a pretty good compromise. I'm, I'm not, I don't know, taking those poppers fully on the move still feels, especially trying to get up to moving speed. If you're cruising through and you're just coasting, maybe, but actually getting started, I think trying to, to move aggressively and, and get started and pick up speed while also shooting those poppers. Not really in my wheelhouse, but just shifting my weight a little bit and just starting to, to pick up that foot as I took that last popper down, stick the reload, and then go into the next position. That worked. And then from there, it was it was a very straightforward plan. It was uh, shot six, move to the next position, shoot eight, move to the next position, shoot six, and then at the end, shoot four. There was a weird plan where you could shift 
some of your rounds so that instead of shooting the eight, you only shot six there. And then at the end, you could shoot six. And that actually saved you a reload overall. But it meant having to do effectively a standing reload in the middle of that array. And I, I looked at the options there. And to me, doing two moving reloads versus one standing reload, the two moving reloads just made more sense to me. And in fact, on that stage, I ended up having the 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 raw time win and the stage win by, I think, two seconds. Yeah, I shot it in 1989. Next closest, just raw time, was also the, the guy that came in second, uh, 22 seconds. So I definitely don't feel bad about choosing that to do the extra reload on the move versus trying to, to do it flat-footed. And last stage of the day for us, not that we knew it at the time, but the last stage I ended up shooting was stage four. And really, the the only thing that really sticks out in my mind about this one is it was it was one of these where you start in the middle of a square and you kind of have to go to all four corners of the square and then there were some targets available through the middle. And so there was there was kind of some hunting and pecking. There were there were obstacles downrange so you couldn't see all the targets in the middle from all the positions. And I ended up basically the way it broke down for me is you could shoot it as five positions, one at each corner of the square and one position in the middle front of the square, or I just ended up taking the targets that you would take from the middle front of the square from the back right corner. And so I tend to want to do this. I tend to like stage plans where I'm going to fewer positions, but shooting longer distance from them. And I think in general, that is not a good idea. I think in general, unless it's, unless it's an exceptional case like this, you are better off just going to all the positions especially if they present a significantly easier shot. Trying to take 15 or 20 yard shots instead of 10 yard shots, it's it's a it's a big difference in the level of aggression that you can that you can take. But in this particular case, I, I honestly I think there there are probably a couple viable ways to go at this stage plan, but to me this one I liked it because of that that sort of bias and the cool thing about this plan is it got almost all the hunting and pecking out of the way early. So it was step back to the, basically the back right corner of the square, shoot two targets, hunt and peck for two more targets that were scattered around. And then from there, go to the back left, shoot everything you can see, go to the front left, shoot everything you can see, go to the front right, shoot everything you can see. And so it made the stage planning very straightforward and had the advantage of getting all the complexity out of the way up front, which is something I like to do in stage planning. I, I feel like that's a Ben Steggerism that I picked up somewhere about, especially if you're dealing with props, get get all the games, get all the gimmicks out of the way as soon as possible, and then just make it so you're just shooting. And so if you can pick a plan where if you have to hunt and peck, you can move the hunting and pecking earlier in the stage, and then it's all downhill from there. If you have a jam or something, and the jam is halfway through the stage, at least you got the the, the mentally taxing stuff done. And then you handle the jam, clear it out, and then for the rest of the stage, your plan is just shoot what you can see. So I think that worked out. There was someone else who who shot that stage, ended up coming in 0.07 seconds behind me, and so I got him by seven hundredths of a second and a single delta. So not not a huge margin of victory. I don't think there was there was really that much to be gained on that stage, but just having a simple, straightforward executable plan, the kind of thing that if you did it five times in a row, you you have a pretty good chance of hitting it versus something a little more gimmicky, a little 
more risky with a chance to overrun positions in particular. That, that, that Honestly, that was one of the great things about this plan is as long as I hit that, that first spot, there was nothing to overrun, where with the back and forth shooting from the middle front of the shooting area, there was a lot more potential to overrun a position, which I wasn't consciously thinking about it this way, but after having described it here on the podcast, after stage one, or yeah, stage one, where I overran that position and it, it burned me, being able to have a stage plan that doesn't have that risk is certainly a nice thing. So after that, the yeah, the thunder and the rain blew in, and really at that point it was I we ended up getting soaked, which honestly, once my cell phone was drying in the car, I was fine to get soaked. It was significantly more pleasant to be soaked than to be in the the humidity and the sun. And it took us a while to get the the match torn down, but but we did eventually get everything put away and get dried off and. <laughs> had to clean all the guns and you know oil everything up just because of the humidity but match turned out all right again no no final results but just looking at the stages that i did get video of and luckily by having partial results by looking at each stage individually which really i think that's what i do at every match anyway the overall win is less of a, an interesting data point to me at at club matches than individual stages and sort of what the stage tells you about your training and how you should use that as feedback to go in. And so to me, even though there's no final overall score, the fact that I got five out of eight stages and I got scores on those five of eight, and most of them I have a comparable data point from one of the other squads, it still was a valuable exercise to me. So that wraps up this episode of Short Course. Keep sending your questions to podcast at barryshooting.com. I'll do another Q&A show when I have enough of them. You can follow me on Facebook at Ben Barry Shooting and Instagram at BS Barry. Talk to you next time.